Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at WhitRiverside. Good morning. Good morning. It is great to be back with you this morning. We have come to the final talk of our everyday spirituality series. Have we found this series helpful? Yes? By show of hands, for those who have been around, who's found this series helpful and kind of resonated with it? Oh, that's quite a lot. A lot more than I expected, to be honest. Um, that's quite a negative thing to say, isn't it? Who, who has struggled to resonate with this, with this series and this topic? Yeah, people are less... Yeah, okay, we have had a few people say, well, I'm somewhere in between the two. Um, and that's Okay. It's okay that we each resonate with different things. It's okay that we get challenged by different topics. It's okay to relate to different stories. Each of us have been created differently. And part of the beauty of being created by a God of creativity is that we each resonate with different things. And we're challenged by different things. And we relate to different stories. But we've been going on a journey, haven't we, over the past 12 weeks. And I did quite a big recap of this series last week. So for the sake of those that were here, I'm not going to go into such detail about the whole series this morning. Instead, in true Netflix style, I'm going to give you a a quick snippet on previously on everyday spirituality. So 30 second overview. We started the series looking at simplicity of faith, simplicity of our faith, how at the beginning of our faith journey, we hold on to simple truths. We say to God, here I am. And in that moment, all that really matters to us is communion with God. And then out of that place, sometimes comes complexity, Questions arise, we see difficulty in life, and we begin to realise that these simple truths that we believe in need to be weighed up against the experiences and realities of the world. From this place of complexity flows perplexity. And this is where we have a real moment of questioning God, questioning our faith, Questioning our church leaders as we battle with life's realities. And eventually, we come out the other side of perplexity. As we start to grasp that God was with us even in the midst of our challenges. That God was with us in our questioning. And we take in the beauty of God and we allow him to see us as beautiful. And we begin to, uh, to spread this beauty of God everywhere that we go. So last week, for those that weren't here, we looked together at this final part of harmony, the yes. We looked together at spreading the beauty of God everywhere that we go. And we characterise this by the word yes. We talked about, didn't we, how much like saying I do on your wedding day is essential for the marriage, but not sufficient for a good marriage. 
our first yes to God is a commitment to many more ongoing yeses. And we looked at how these yeses were about realising each day that we have, every single one of us, have, has a divine vocation, a commission to spread the love of God and to introduce Jesus to those that do not know him. And I touched last week on how we need this commission to be fueled by encounter. And that leads us to today. Week 12, the completion of this cycle. For those that haven't read the book, no cheating if you have, are there any guesses for what the last word is going to be? Any guesses? Anyone want to call out any guesses? Behold, yes. What do we think? No one wants to guess. What was that? Amen. Amen. That's not a bad, that's not a bad, it's not that. But it's not a bad, uh, it's not a bad guess. Right, it's a trick question anyway, because it's not a word at all. The final, <laughs> the final one of the uh, series is an ellipsis. That dot, dot, dot. No word at all, but simply an ellipsis. And this ellipsis symbolises quiet. It symbolises being present with God, it symbolises just being. Brian McLaren describes it as the moment of, oh, of that breath, of releasing the weight and just being with God. Now, before we get any further on this talk, I want to put out a bit of a disclaimer I'm going to be talking about today a practice that I am absolutely rubbish at. And if that puts you off this morning, if the fact that the person teaching on the topic is not an expert in the practice, then feel free to switch off, go on your phone, or go to the cafe early. In fact, if I'm totally honest this morning, and I am going to be honest about my struggles with this, if I'm totally honest... I'm probably the worst in the room at this practice. I'm probably worse than most, if not all of you, at making space for silence, at just being without feeling this need for activity. And those of you that know me are probably not surprised by me saying that at all. But equally, this that we're talking about today is something that I've been really trying to work on over the last couple of months. And later on, I'm going to explain to you a little bit about how I've been trying to work on this thing, some of the techniques that I've been using to do this. See, for me, this just being feels simply impossible. To quieten down with no agenda, but to just be with God, goes against every part of who I am. Those who know the personality test Enneagram, I am a type three. And type threes are characterized by their motivation coming from success, productivity, and avoiding failure. 
And now if my motivation comes from those three things, then being still and doing nothing feels the worst thing possible. And I want to just give you a couple of real life examples for what that looks like for me. So I walk the dog twice a day, every morning and every evening. But I don't want to waste my time by simply just walking the dog. I don't want to waste this opportunity that I have, this hour or so, to learn and to grow. So during these walks, every single time I go out, I stick on a podcast that's either about politics, faith, economics, or sport. I'm subscribed to 13 podcasts. And every single day, whilst I uh, go about my day doing jobs around the house or walking the dog or driving to work or driving home from work, any moment where I have a chance, any extra capacity to focus on something additional, any opportunity to multitask, any opportunity to gain more information in order, let's be honest, to be successful, productive, and efficient in what I do. Any opportunity I have, I put on a podcast and I listen to gain more information. 13 podcasts that I am subscribed to, each of them give a new podcast every single week and each of them over an hour long. I probably listen on average a week to about 18 to 20 hours worth of podcasts. And now in one sense, this is one of my strengths, but it can also be my greatest weakness. See, is gaining theological knowledge or listening to different faith podcasts my way of procrastinating away from spending time with God, from just being with God? And some of you may be able to relate to what I'm saying, and others of you may think I'm crazy and think, what's even a podcast? But (laughs) as we keep going, we'll get through together. The reality is that for each of us, we live in a culture where making space for silence, quiet, and unproductivity is extremely difficult. Psalm 40 verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. But how can we be still when we're so busy? And everyone is busy, right? Everyone is busy. You ask someone, how are you doing? How's your week been? And the most common response that you'll get is busy. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm busy. That wasn't my question. And the problem is, in this capitalist society that we live in, we've glorified this idea of being busy. So inevitably, we feel great when we tell others how busy we are. Because for us, often, busy equals successful. Busy equals success. I've got loads to do. I'm wanted in all these different areas. I'm so important that I'm so busy. And then for those of us that aren't busy or when we get that moment of not being busy, when we have a break from the busyness, we just feel bored. Oh, I've got nothing to do. 
I'm so used to being busy that when I'm not busy, I am bored. And then we force ourselves into being busy again. We create extra jobs that didn't really need doing just to make sure that there's never a moment where I am not busy. I hope I'm not the only one who does this. It's a vicious cycle of busyness. And this cycle can overwhelm us and bring us to a place of burnout, where our energy is depleted, where we have nothing to give anymore. When everything we are doing is coming from this place of tiredness and lack of energy or desire. And in these moments, the people around us get the worst versions of us. So for me, what does that look like? For me, when I'm over busy, when I'm burnt out, when I've got nothing left in my tank... I become very short with people. I get annoyed really easily. I get anxious when having conversations with people that I don't feel comfortable with. I become judgmental or overly rational. I struggle to care about other people's feelings and instead I demand rationality from people whose problems transcend rationality. That's what it looks like for me when I'm running on empty. But each of us have different things that we go to when we don't have energy. And we're starting to understand as society that being constantly busy leads to burnout. And then we're starting to understand that we need to be replenished in order to be our best in our workplaces, and just in general life. And Christians are beginning to wake up to many passages in Scripture that affirm the need for rest and replenishment, for stillness, for being in God's presence, rather than focusing just on what are we doing. See, there is a problem within Christianity for this. And it stems from the last 100 years where evangelists over the last 100 years, in their passion to get everyone moving, to call Christians into action, have often spread unhelpful rhetoric that has led to Christians seeing action as our biggest measurement for holiness. It's so easy to see action, what we do, as the measurement for holiness. Charles Spurgeon, once in a leaders' conference, said this. Brethren, do something, do something, do something. Whilst others waste their time on resolutions, do something. Now, I must admit, that's the kind of preaching that I really like. I like being led into action. I like being told to get up and do something about it. And I'm sure that there wasn't a moment where Charles was thinking that he was convincing people not to stop 
and to just be with God. But what you can see is that the leaders in the room listening to him would have been motivated to get up and go. However, in scripture, there's an alternate, alternate story. In Luke chapter 10, we read of Jesus going round the house of two sisters, Mary and Martha. And these two sisters approached Jesus' visit very differently. We're going to read this passage together. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. It says this. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. For me, this passage really starts to show us the heart of Jesus. See, as I read this, my reflections are this. Martha was well in her rights to be busy in this moment. She will never have a guest in her house half as important as this one. She wants everything to be perfect for Jesus and his disciples. She wants to succeed in being the best host that she can be. She wasn't ignoring Jesus at all. Instead, she was busy trying to do things for him. I also think Martha was well in her rights to be annoyed at Mary. How come I have to do all this work in getting the preparations correct? And you just sit and be with Jesus. If only I could do that. That's not fair. How come you get the time with Jesus and I just get dinner ready? The problem is, in this moment, what we see is that Jesus cared so much more about the being than the doing. In this moment, Jesus cared so much more about their being than their doing. Martha, in her busyness, missed Jesus. Jesus is in her house. Jesus is with her. Jesus is in her place. 
yet she's so busy trying to get things right that she misses the moment with him. Mary, on the other hand, is simply being. Mary is not doing, but being. She's sat at Jesus' feet, attentive, open, quiet, engaged. She, in this moment, is engaged in what we call the contemplative. And Jesus loved this response from Mary. Jesus loved how Mary responded to him being in her house. He loved how she ignored getting things done in order to be with him. He loved how her focus was not on what she needed to do. She loved, he loved how her whole focus was on hanging out with him, being with him. And as I read this passage, I can't help but think, how often are we like Martha? How often are we so busy in what we are doing that we miss opportunities to soak in God's presence? To be filled by his spirit. To be energised by him. To simply be and thus be transformed. For me, I often point to being busy learning about God or learning about theology or getting more information that I lose the moment of simply being in his presence. And if we're honest, if I'm honest, sometimes it's easier to do stuff for God than to be with God. Sometimes it's easier to fill the diary with things for God than to empty the diary to be with God. See, the problem starts when our doing for God overtakes our being with God. Because at the end of the day, our activity for the sake of God cannot come from anywhere but overflow of God's love. We are transformed not by doing things for God. We are transformed by soaking in the love of God. So God is calling each of our names this morning. He's saying, Jake, be still and know that I am God. He's saying, Martin, be still and know that I am God. Christine, be still and know that I am God. Each of us, God is calling to you your name and saying, be still and just know that I am God. 
You don't need to make an action in this moment, but be still and know that I am God. But what about the things I haven't achieved? But what about the things that I need to do? Be still and know that I am God. Sometimes we can be so active that we lose sight of our spiritual health and our emotional health. Our activity can get in the way of us realising that we're not actually in a good place. We need to stop and be with God. That he may give us true rest. That he may invigorate us again. That our eyes may be fixed back on to him. That we may grow familiar again with the presence of God in everything that we do and everywhere that we go. And I was, as I was writing my talk for this morning, I just had this sense that some of us this morning need to hear this. You are loved without doing or achieving anything. You are loved without doing or achieving anything. So humbly we come before God without an agenda, without a request, a please, a sorry, even, even without a specific thank you or reason. But instead, to just be. To hang out with God. To wait on him. To listen to him. To release our emotions before him. At the beginning of Psalm 127, it says that everything that we do is in vain if it is not saturated in God. If it does not come first from the love we have received and experienced from God, then our actions are in vain, says Psalm 127. So we need to be refilled. We need to be saturated regularly. Our mindset needs to shift away from what can we do to what is God doing? A shift from self-consciousness to the consciousness of God. And this shift can only happen when it starts by time in his presence, by being transformed by his spirit. Checking out of the rush of life and checking in to the stillness of God. My encouragement to each of us is to do all that we can do to make time for a secret life rooted in silence and stillness.
a commitment to contemplative prayer, centering ourselves on God with no distractions, actively choosing to become more aware of God and responding to his love as we recognize his beauty. Contemplative prayer is acknowledging God at the center of normality. Instead of saying, God, come to me, God, come and visit me, contemplative prayer says, I know you are here with me right now. Here I am. Instead of saying, come to me, it recognizes he's already with us and says, here I am. And in this, we move to a more mature relationship with God. Our prayer life begins to evolve from talking at God to talking to God to listening to God and finally being with God. Switching our focus to this contemplative prayer says that says, I know you are here right now, here I am allows us to simply rest and be saturated in his presence. I know this is a couple of verses that have been repeated a fair few times in this church over the last couple of years, but I can't help but be drawn back to Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30, which in the message version says this. Are you tired, worn out? Burned out on religion, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to make, uh, how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I said I would let you know a couple of ways that I'm trying to do this at the moment. And I have to be honest, these are ridiculously basic things that I've been doing. And this is because, as I said, I cannot manage silence, non-activity at all. And for some of you, you're well past me and can sit in silence in God's presence for hours. But for anyone who is like me and struggles with this, here's a couple of ways that you can do this. One of the things that I've been trying to do recently is going for a walk in the evening at a field by my house that allows for no distractions. And I choose in this moment not to listen to a podcast. I let the dog off the lead and let him roam a little bit alongside me. And then I simply say to God, here I am. And then I begin to debrief my day out loud to him. Obviously not if anyone's around, because that would just be weird. Um, And then I just walk in silence. 
without a phone in my hand or an AirPod in my ear, which again, to some of you, is ridiculous that walking without a phone or podcast is a spiritual discipline for me, but it really is. And then as I walk in silence, as I walk without distractions, I zone in on the beauty of creation. I actively seek out God's beauty in creation. And that's it. I go for a walk. I do it in silence. And I zone in to God. I say, here I am. And then I look for him. And when I do this, when I get home, I really feel like I've spent some amazing time with God. So, so, so simple. So, so, so basic. But for me, profound. Another thing I do, and again, for most of you, it's going to be weird that I'm saying this as a technique for a spiritual discipline, but I'm going to be honest. Another technique for me is driving home from work without the radio on, a podcast on, or music playing. That's it. That's the technique. I sit in silence and I drive. And again, as I do this, I cast my mind on God's beauty and I often focus in thinking about each person, each car behind me, in front of me, beside me, thinking about the person inside or the people inside that car, reminding myself that God knows everything about them, that God loves them, that God created them. And I sometimes pray a little blessing over the person in the car behind or in front or whatever cars wound me up the most on that journey. Super simple. I just drive in silence. I don't put the radio on. I don't listen to music. I don't put a podcast on. And I zone into God. I say, here I am. And then I start to recognize his beauty. I choose to recognize his beauty in the people in the cars around me. Now listen, each of you will, I'm sure, have much more holy versions of this than I do. But the aim is the same for each of us. The aim is to say to God, here I am, and then encounter his presence in the quiet. To simply be with him. And with this, we come back to where we began this series. Awakening to God's presence. Saying, here I am. Here I am. Brian McLaren says that when we arrive at this moment, we may continue again to experience these seasons all over again. But this time, we do so from a loftier, deeper understanding of God, of faith, and of life. 
We've gone through these cycles. We've gone through these seasons. And we've seen God in each of them. And we go back to saying, God, here I am. I want to just leave a moment before we worship for each of us to just be before God. So I'm not, I'm not going to ask you to stand, but why don't we just have a couple of minutes or so of quiet? And if you want to start by saying, God, here I am, and then we'll see what God wants to do next. So let's just have a bit of quiet. Have your own time with God. Thank you for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside. <laughs>